Hello, and welcome back to the Marist FCA podcast. On this episode, we are joined by Jonathan Sanders, the youth minister at Dunwoody United Methodist Church, to learn more about his journey through faith. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hear me all right? Cool. My name is Jonathan Sanders. I'm one of the youth pastors at Dunwoody United Methodist Church. It is good to be here this morning. Thanks for having me. I like to start with like some fun facts so we start to know each other a little bit better. So first, I have three dogs, Coda, Nellie, and Luna. They're all rescues. I love them very much. Second fact, my favorite sport to watch is basketball. My favorite teams are the Atlanta Hawks, who are doing well, and the Virginia Cavaliers, who did not do well. I once slept outside UVA's basketball arena for three nights in a row before a game. And then my third, Fun fact, my most controversial opinion is that Chick-fil-A is overrated and I prefer Zaxby's. Anyone with me? Okay, I got a couple. Cool. The rest of you, I'm losing you. I hear that. Hate me now. Believe me later. You'll come back to my side. All I'm saying is I've never waited more than 10 minutes in a Zaxby's drive-thru and I have in a Chick-fil-A drive-thru. That's all I'm saying. But if I haven't lost you with that, I do want to talk about one of my favorite Bible stories this morning. I think that there's a lot of times, like, does anyone have a Bible story that they know they've heard, like, 50 times and can just, like, recite it off the top? Yeah, that happens, right? There's ones that we hear since we're little kids in Sunday school, and we hear them over and over and over, and we get to that point when we're reading our Bible, and we're like, oh, I know this one. I'm going to skip over it and move to the next thing. But I think that we miss something when we do that, and that's a thing that I've been working on, is trying to read these old familiar stories and try and get something new from them. So that's what I want to do this morning. Who knows the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000? All of us, right? Pretty much. And I think that's one that we can just say what happened. But with this idea of, you know, fresh eyes on an old story, let's recap sort of where we are. So we get to this story in sort of a familiar setting. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's kind of tired of all the crowds. He's trying to get away. And so he goes off into the wilderness away from everyone. But at this point in his ministry, Jesus had gained some fame or some notoriety, depending on who you are. And people hear about it. They want to hear what he has to say. And the crowds start gathering. They go to listen to what Jesus is saying. And before you know it, there's over 5,000 people there listening to him. And so in Matthew chapter 16, sorry, 15, and this is where we pick up. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples. 
and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. (laughs) So this is a story we know well, and every time we hear it, the message is kind of the same. Right? Trust in Jesus and God will provide. The love of God is abundant and it's freely given and it's more than enough for all of us. And that's a great message. It's something that's really important. And I think when we hear this story, there's two people that we think of first. The first person that we think of in the story is Jesus, right? He blesses the food and we often think of Jesus first. Makes sense. And the second person that comes to mind is where does the food come from? In most versions of the story, we hear about a little boy who brings his lunch to Jesus. He says, here are my five loaves and the two fish. It's all that I have. And that's a great message for us to hear too, especially us as young people, right? Whatever we have, even if we think it's insignificant, if it's small, if it's just our lunch, is of value is something that God can use in incredible ways. Nothing that we have to contribute is too small for the kingdom of God. That's awesome too, but neither of those things are what I want to talk about today. Uh, One of our old pastors at Dunwoody UMC, Matt Stone, he brought this to my attention. We cite our sources here, so I want to give him credit. But there's another group of people in this story that I want to look at. And that's our 12 favorite misfits, the disciples. I think a lot of the times the disciples are sort of background characters in these stories. Like we know a lot about them when Jesus first meets them. And then we hear a lot about them after the ascension. But in the time in between, sometimes they're kind of just there in the stories. But I really like recently paying attention to the disciples because they are sort of stand-ins for us, they're literally following Jesus. And so for us as followers of Jesus, they give us some insight of how we can try and figure out this whole faith thing. And they mess up a lot and they don't get it right all the time, but they're trying. And these are the human beings walking with Jesus. So I like paying attention to them. And here in this story, what do the disciples do? Well, they're the ones that I think are thinking practically. And I relate to the disciples a little bit here because I like to think that I'm a detail-oriented person. I like to think that I'm organized, that I pay attention to small things, that I have my checklists, that I like when things are done. I really don't like forgetting things. I like to show up on time. Like if we have to be somewhere in 30 minutes, I'm the guy that 15 minutes from now is like, all right, we we, we gotta go, we can't be late. So when the disciples in this story come up to Jesus and say, hey, we have to send these people home because they have to eat and we have no food, I feel the disciples there. I think I've literally done that at some of our youth events at Dunwoody UMC. I'm like, hey, this small group is going great. Everything's awesome, but there's a whole line of parents outside in the carpool line. So we got to wrap this up. Let's go. Right? The disciples are thinking practically. 
And who can blame them for saying, we can't feed these people because we have no food? It makes perfect sense. But there's two things that I think we can learn from the disciples here. The first is don't let what you think is possible limit what God can do in your life. The disciples have literally seen Jesus perform miracles. They have seen these incredible things happen right in front of them. But they're still limited in their thinking. They're still saying they've got to go. Right? They're constrained by what they think is possible. And the same thing's true for us. We believe in a God of miracles that cures the sick, that sets the captive free, that has done incredible things in our lives and around us. And if we believe that that is true, then why can't that also be true in our lives? Anyone have that friend that's always like dreaming real big and has these goals and these plans and these ideas that sound crazy and they're like, I'm gonna do this and then this and then this and then I'm gonna be president and it's all gonna be awesome. And you're looking at them like, yeah, sure, let's be realistic. Anyone have that friend? If you don't, you might be that friend and that's okay. Because I think that we need to dream big, right? I'm someone who thinks practically. I like to think I'm realistic, but the word might also be limited. If we don't dream big, if we don't have great hopes, great ideas, if we don't put trust in God that these things are possible, then they won't be. The disciples, they go, they gather these like five loaves and two fish, And then something incredible happens that we're still talking about today because they trusted Jesus and they did it. The second thing, and I think this is the most important thing that Jesus says in this whole story, is Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. Sure, Jesus blesses the food, but Jesus is not the one collecting the food in the beginning or distributing the food at the end, that's the disciples. We talk a lot in like the church world about being the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's what that is. The disciples are going through the crowd. It is the disciples that are doing the work. And that's our job too. God takes this immeasurable power and focuses it through These humans do incredible things. And the same can be true for us. What does it mean to feed your community? Sometimes that's literal. Like my guy's handing out biscuits this morning doing the Lord's work, thank you. Right? Sometimes that's figurative. Feed your community spiritually, emotionally, with your presence. Whatever that thing is, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. We have to be Jesus to the people around us. When I think about the idea of spreading the gospel, of being Jesus to other people, I think that like the number one thing that gets in our way is fear. Fear that people are 
not going to be receptive to us or they'll make fun of us or fear that we're not good enough. Fear that there's someone else more qualified. I fall into that one all the time, right? I think surely someone else should be doing the thing. Like right now there's probably someone else that could be talking to you guys and doing a better job. I think that all the time, but that fear gets in our way of feeding the people around us. These limitations we place on ourselves. If we think we're not good enough, we're limiting what we think God is capable of through us. So the thing I'm working on, and I invite you to work on too, is whenever we think we have this idea, this thing we want to do, and we start to get that creep of doubt, it says, oh, well, that's not realistic. Remember the disciples. Remember what they thought was realistic. And then remember what happened. Right? Take that step. Take that chance. Talk to your friends about Jesus. That thing that seems scary or weird or not possible, go for it. Can I pray for us? And then something else is going to happen? God, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for Chick-fil-A biscuits. I thank you for places that we can gather to talk about you. God, I thank you for the disciples that when you sent Jesus to us to be this perfect example for us, that Jesus did not do this alone, that Jesus brought us into his ministry. God, through all the messiness, through all the mistakes that we make, God, I am thankful that we have the chance to be your hands and feet. God, give us the courage to be you to other people, to help us show your love in everything that we do. Ask all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Yeah, and that's the thing that I work on too, um, and that's sort of my like fear of getting started. Things don't always work out for us. Nowhere in here are we told that things are going to be easy or work out all the time. What we are told is it will be worth it. Disappointment and rejection and these things happen, and they really hurt. And a thing for me is going into these big dreams with like a firm foundation, right? How do we build a house? You start at the base. And if the foundation is weak, then if you get to the roof and there's an issue, whole thing collapses. The same as like when we're dreaming, right? To have this firm foundation, have your friends around you, have strong faith in Jesus, and it doesn't make things easy when they go wrong, but it's a little bit easier when you have your friends, your family, strong support around you. And also just knowing things aren't always gonna be good. They're not always gonna work. 
but there's always that next thing. Right? People talk about like our calling with God and sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no, sometimes the answer is not yet. Right? Sometimes we keep trying, sometimes we pivot and move on to the next thing. That doesn't make the failure hurt less, but always keeping like a perspective of I'm going to be down for a little bit and that's okay. And then we're going to bounce back and try and find the next thing that God is calling me to. Because there's always something, there's always ways for us to be living into that calling that God has for us. It's just trying to find what that is. Thank you. Thank you. That makes sense. Um, basically, just being able to pivot your dream, mm-hmm. not, losing, not let the failure lose any passion or hope yeah. for that next pivot in the dream. Um, any other questions from anybody? Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you like this episode, please be sure to like, share this episode with a friend, and tune in again soon for our next episode.